Hey, what's really going on? It's Boots Riley. I'm the writer and director of Sorry to Bother You. You are now listening to Two Dope Teachers and a Microphone. Keep it locked right here. No texting. February 1st, because first, shout out, it is my mom and my Aunt Jean's 70th birthday. Shout out to the Queens. Yo, shout out to the 70 years. Birthday. Talk to them earlier, both of them, and they have had wonderful days. Uh, but then my second reason why February 1st is always one of my favorite days of the year is it is the beginning of Black History Month. Yes, indeed. My favorite month as an educator because I could just teach Black History and, and nobody can question me about what I'm doing or why I'm doing I'm like, it. That's right. It's Black History Month. Yeah, and they shouldn't question you anyway, but at the very least, you have one month of immunity. That's right. That's we can do it. That's we can do this. Um, I feel like there may be another reason that this is a good day. This is an excellent day because we have finally had the chance. We've been having this in the work for a long time, but we finally got the imminent Darion Cockroll to sit down with us, the Missouri State Teacher of the Year for 2021, one of Gerardo's dear cohort members, and a member of what's the room number? Tell us the squad, or, or do we not put the squad out? Uh, oh, yeah, we will not put the squad out. We don't put it out there? Okay, that's for for those in the know. If you know, you know. If you know, Shout you out. don't know, you still don't know. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, man, DC, as he's so affectionately known as, yeah. what his students call him, Mr. DC, which we yeah. love. Mr. DC. You know, his story, I think, is so impactful, so powerful on so many levels. And I think so appropriate today, um, yeah. as we begin Black History Month, as we hopefully all of us are committed to teaching Black Lives Matter at school week, you know, and um, as I was saying before we came on, you know, today we were talking about um, the 13 principles of Black Lives Matter. And, you know, one of my students were paraphrasing restorative justice, which is a tough one for the kids to understand. But as we were talking about it, we got into the idea of, you know, do we throw people out of the community? Do we get rid of them? Are there things that are so wrong that we we can never bring them back in and keep them as part of our community? Yeah. And, and I think, you know, it's so appropriate that we had DC on, you know, like listening to the ancestors and the spirits, you know, they bring things in your life at a certain time for certain reasons. I think his story really highlights the importance of like having restorative relationships and that we, you know, who, who we are 
today is not who we have to be tomorrow. It does not guarantee where we're headed. And I think his story is so amazing. And I think he reminds me of so many of our students that we have in our classrooms. Man, th thank you for all that because um, there is there was something really fortuitous about DC joining us tonight. Um, we were actually supposed to interview him a week ago and that just because of some things that came up, um, we weren't able to do that interview. And, you know, it, it feels like sometimes things just happen when they're supposed to. And in light of you and, and I was in your classroom as you were, as you were discussing some uh, Black Lives Matter principles, you're going through some of the 13 principles and just that, I'm, I'm so glad you made that connection between what does true restorative justice look like? What does healing look like? and this conversation that he had with DC. Um, I've known DC for over a year and um, there, this man is so layered and so complex and so resilient and so just powerful. Um, and I don't wanna say resilient lightly because yeah. he has been through things. That's right. And he, and he shares um, really openly about kind of what he's been through and what his path was from the streets of St. Louis to um, 2021 Missouri Teacher of the Year. It's just an incredible, incredible story. So um, it, it's amazing. And of course, you know, not to lose the rope on this, also made amazing by the fact that partway through the show, we found out we had a snow day. Yes, that was a great <laughs> announcement. Yes, so that was great. I was checking my phone and uh, we got it done. But yo, if you haven't listened to Two Dope Teachers and a Mic, just give us a follow um, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Two Dope Teachers. Show ideas, feedback, um, gift cards, two dope teachers at gmail.com. You can find um, every episode that we've ever done on our website, two dope teachers.com. And um, if you're interested in supporting what we do financially, uh, go head over to patreon.com slash two dope teachers, where for as little as $5 a month, you can keep this fire content coming. Like, this one with Darian Cockrell, uh, DC, the 2021 Missouri Teacher of the Year, man. So I, I feel like we just got to get right to it because it's kind of a long conversation, but um, but it goes by so quick. Um, Hang in there. Have... And and let me tell you, the top five, if, if you're a fan of the top five question, it gets very controversial. It really and, does. It really it, does. It, it, felt... it, it gets real. It, it this real. is why the top five question is so important. So important. So important because we get to actually exchange ideas um, and uh, and differing opinions, if you yes. will. Yes. So without any further ado, I'm Gerardo Munoz. He's Kevin Adams. Uh, this is our interview with Darion D.C. Cockrell. Man. Okay. I just have to take a deep breath because this I feel like this conversation has been a long time coming, Kev. Yeah. We wouldn't you say so? Yeah, yeah, we've been talking about it over and over. Yeah, and, over and and, and, and today over. is the day that we are blessed once again. And like I, you know, for me, I would like to bring all of y'all together. You know, once, we keep what, trying. I, I want to yeah. bring the whole crew together and just interrogate it, you know, like. Because like you guys, I've heard so many stories that you're all infamous, you know, it's like <laughs> hearing these stories of the greats when they'd come together and meet, you know, so yeah, like I, I would love to just be able to, you know, whip around and just 
have you go off on each other and just see watch the magic happen. Oh, he's trying he's trying to turn this into the Breakfast Club eventually. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, folks, uh, it gives it just gives us great pleasure to introduce um, our our man of the year, right? Um, the 2021 Missouri State Teacher of the Year, Mr. Darian DC Cockrell. What's up, DC? Hey, what's the word, man? I appreciate you, brothers, for having me out here, man. Appreciate. Oh, it. glad we're glad you made it. Glad you yeah. could come. No, by. this is this is great, and 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 for the rest of the crew, consider yourself on blast because you need to come on this show. And DC got here first. That's so, right. You That's know. right. I mean, Eric, Eric, Eric got here first. Eric's always up to talk. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, uh, we will have some, we will be, uh, you know, chatting it up with Anthony in about a week and a half or so. Uh, we'll chat it up with Justin. That's some good stuff. Um, but we'll, but for, but tonight is, is DC's night. And so the first, first thing I, I owe DC like this, like debt of gratitude, man. And I keep on talking about this, but like, so we we're in Indianapolis for the college football playoff. They brought us all out there to celebrate us and roll us out as show ponies and all that kind of stuff. And there's a 5K. And, you know, Kev, I've talked to you about my my running, like, journey since COVID, right? Yes. How it, how, and I've complained a lot, right? A little bit. A little, <laughs> a little bit. The people know that you are being dishonest right now. Um, <laughs> because, Don't because try no snitch scenario. on yourself. I was I was giving you grace. I'm giving you grace. Where I complain a little bit, but um, but so I had been really frustrated with my running. COVID really wrecked my lungs, and we get out there, and I'm like, man. And and DC texts me the night before. He's like, my goal for you is uh, what did you say? 27 minutes. Uh, some I don't know if it was 25, 27, somewhere in that range. I think it was 27. I'm like a nine minute man. I, I was like, okay, like whatever. <laughs> and um, so we get out there and halfway through the race, I see DC. I'm like, oh my God, I, I'm, I'm like, I'm like catching up. This is, this is wild. And I got super motivated. Hey, but, hey, but you also got to say that's how far along did I start or how far ahead did I start in front of you? Cause I was with oh, man. in front of you. So, I mean, he, oh, was that's right. Yeah. So <laughs> you were moving. So I, I started like two or three minutes before him. Dang, <laughs> that's big. So, I mean, and, you know, and I ended up running the second fastest 5K I've ever uh, there you run go. the day after my 46th birthday. That's and uh, and I like DC. I came across that. I wanted to cry, man. I'm like, where's DC? Where's DC? I got to find my man right here. Um, but but DC is one of the most motivating people that I've had a chance to kind of come across, man. Uh, and and I think I think everybody in the cohort knows it, and I think anyone who spends five minutes with you knows it. Um, but I want let's start out with this question right here. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself, man. Like, how did what's been your path in life that brought you into teaching? Um, you've been through a lot. Like, let's let's talk about that. Uh, I mean, if you just want to start from the from the dirt, man, born and raised in the city of St. Louis. Uh, when I was brought up, I lost my father when I was about four or five years old. Um, at the time, my dad was the biggest drug dealer in St. Louis. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because of the stuff he was taking part in and the money he was making and the things he was selling, obviously you're going to have a, you know, a target on your back. And unfortunately, because of that, uh, I lost him at an early age. So, you know, when I think back to my father, even, you know, having a son now and being around him all the time, I could yes. never imagine that if I were to die today, my son would only have like two memories of me. And that's how I, you know, when I think back to my father, I li- literally only have two memories. One, one of me being in a car with him 
and him asking me, you know, what's my name? And I and I told him his nickname at the time, which was his hood, and which which was his name in our neighborhood. Right. And the other only other uh, memory I had of him was we were sitting on the front porch. That's it. Nothing else. That's all I'm I got. Just sitting with, mm-hmm. just sitting with dad. Yeah, but uh, yeah, man, uh, lost my father. Uh, my mm-hmm. mom, unfortunately, in the eighties, in the eighties, late eighties and early nineties, man. If you live in my neighborhood or just a lot of urban uh, areas in the city, like either either your parents were on drugs, either your parents were you know selling drugs mm-hmm. or yeah. drugs, crack specifically was taking some kind of part in your family. You know what I mean? Yep. It, it yep. was the negative in your family. And, uh, you know, my mom was addicted to drugs. I mean, she had me when she was 16. I'm not even the oldest. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So it's just crazy. She has six kids, man. Um, wow. Four boys, two girls. But my mom, she was never really a mother to me. I love my mom to death. Uh, yeah. I love her. Yeah. And I think now as a man, especially, I've forgiven her for all that stuff that um, we went through in the past and all the stuff that, you know, we had to deal with. But I know now that addiction is real, bro. Like wow. it's real, and I feel like. Excuse me, I said it. I said the curse, but I'm bad. Oh, it's all good. good. It's all good. good. We'll just we're, we're just gonna cl- we'll click the little e when we upload it. Yeah, you good. You good. <laughs> but um, I it's think all now no, we, we're all about the real talk here. We're all about the real it. talk here. <laughs> I understand the realness of of addiction, and I I just I know that you know I knew that she cared about us and she loved us, but man, like like your boy said, uh, cocaine is a hell of a drug. Seriously, seriously, and it definitely, you know, it. Uh, I mean, it took it took her over, man. It took my whole community mm-hmm. over, and you know, when the state realized that my mom t- couldn't take care of me and my siblings anymore, they took us away. They separated most of us, and they put us in foster homes, you know, across uh, St. Louis. And uh, I want to say about a year or so, being in and out of different foster homes, mm-hmm. facilities, and stuff like that. My grandmother, thank God, God bless her. Uh, she got her stuff together, man. She took us all in. She got us out of foster care and she became our legal guardian. And my grandmother was really my mom my entire life. My grandmother raised us for the most part. Yeah. She made sure, even though it was a struggle, she made yep. sure clothes on our back, you know, that, you know, the heat was on most of the time that we had just stuff to, uh, just to get through the day, man. But it was one of those things when you got all these boys in the house and uh, in our neighborhood, you know, people know my father is the biggest drug dealer. You know, me and yep. my dad, me and my brother had different uh, dads. His dad yeah. was a drug dealer. You know, my little brother, his dad was a drug dealer. You know, stuff wow. like this. It was like, who are our role models? Yep. So yeah. I people like, man, you just you look just like your daddy. You're you going to be just like your daddy. So I'm like, I want to be my father. Uh, yep, that's yeah. what you hear. Yeah. That's what you raised with. You know what I mean? So I'm like, I want to do that. You know what I mean? And he has status. He has status. He's exactly. important in the neighborhood. Exactly. And, that's well, and it's like dads are dads are kind of there. There's this presence of, about dads because, you know, my, my, my father um, struggles with mental illness. And, you know, but when when you're when you're a kid, when you're little, like, you know, I read somewhere that for boys so often when we imagine ourselves as adults, we imagine our fathers like we imagine that one day I'm going to be like my dad. I'm going to be as confident as my dad. I'm going to be as strong as my dad. Like. And then if they have status, even more so. And so I think that I, I think that's part of what makes your story even more amazing. It's like, you know, you've got all the voices and you've got the example. And dude must have had charisma, you know. And my father, from what I've heard, he uh, he was definitely a ladies man. <laughs> 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 this, this is the type of this is the type of cat my dad was. So um, my uncles both went to the army or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, my dad, he didn't go because he didn't want to cut off his Jerry curl. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> He's like, I um, cut my curl. 
Uh-uh. <laughs> he wasn't cut off his jerry curl. And uh, one of the only pictures uh, I've ever seen of my dad, he uh, my uh, my aunt has this picture that he my dad had painted. And he's he's like, it's, this, it's, it's from his head all the way down uh, to like his um, his knees. And he got on like these pimp stripe pants. He got his shirt <laughs> off, ripped up. Got all these gold chains. Gold, yes. You know, yes. Jerry Curl just dripping. I'm like, man, this dude. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was feeling himself. Feeling himself, bro. Feeling yeah. himself. I mean, he was just one of those guys that even though he was selling drugs and all these things, people love him, man. I mean, yep, I yep. had that charisma. He was outgoing. He loved his family. He loved his friends. And he would do anything for anybody. But mm-hmm. unfortunately, I feel like he did what he knew he was best at. And at mm-hmm. that time, he wanted to make money. He wanted to support his family. He wanted to, you know, do what he thought he could do the best. And they were still drugs. <clears throat> Unfortunately, I feel like I feel like now as a man, he felt like that was his only option. He didn't want right. to go to the army. Uh, yep. so it wasn't his thing. And everyone mm-hmm. in the neighborhood was making money doing that. And he wanted, he committed to it. He was the best at it. But at the same yeah. time, he was killed over that. You know what I mean? Yep. And, yep. and this would be in the 80s, right? Like, would no, this be in the 80s? Was killed, he was killed... Um, uh, 91 91 okay yeah so I mean you know I, th- I think that because I grew up in a similar area in in East Denver and um, and I'm pretty sure it wasn't anything like like what you grew up in but but we had a lot of the same kind of dynamics and later on I started to really learn about the systemic reasons that a lot of this stuff was happening you know and you know the loss of manufacturing jobs the loss of career paths and it's just kind of like and you're somebody with a family. You got to find a way to 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 feed them. Um, yeah, no, that's real. And it's like and you. I mean, you hit it on the nail because when there's no resources and there's no opportunities, and you know, and even when you go outside of the spots where there might be resources and opportunities, but they turn you down because of the color of your skin yep. or because you know of different implicit biases and things like that. It's like, what are your only choices? You're pigeonholed yeah. to only doing what people expect you to do. So then yeah. you got it in your mind. It's like, well, shit, I don't have any other opportunities. Then I'm yeah, going to talk. What they Real think talk. I'm going to do anyway. So I'm just going to do yep. that. You yep. know, and it's, just, and it's a revolving cycle. It's a revolving cycle. And I think sometimes, like, for my siblings, like, I got an older brother right now. And unfortunately, the day that I was taken away from my family and put in a boy's home uh, was not too long after he was kicked out of school for selling drugs in eighth grade. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I left that house. I left my neighborhood, I want to say, what, 17, 18 years ago. And unfortunately, he's still doing the same stuff today that he was doing back then. Wow. And I almost feel like it's one of those things, one of those weird dichotomies where it's like he wants to do better. But I think there's a part of him that's scared and is afraid. Yep. of fear, And he's so used to doing this and he knows how to do this. He's like, you know what? I'm just going to ride this until the wheels fall off. But I know as his brother, as his little brother, that. He has so much potential. And if he took yeah. that energy that he's putting into that to something more positive, it might not make as much money as you want at the moment, but yeah. uh, it's going to uh, provide you the opportunity for your kids to be proud of you, for you to live longer and not put yourself in these yeah. different predicaments where I got to wake up every morning looking at the news to make sure you ain't dead. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, that's real. Yeah. But yeah, it was hard growing up, man, because like I said, we didn't really have any positive male role models. My mom, I mean, she was in and out of my life. My grandmother was trying to work the whole time. So while she's trying to work on, while my mom's coming in and out of the house, dealing and doing stuff like that, and we don't really have people around us to give us structure. And, you know, yeah. there's, there's no full focus. Like, there's no full focus on you. So we were like, you know what? Hey, school is not a priority because the schools that we went to in our neighborhoods were all white teachers. 
who yep. had no understanding of the kids as they were serving. Yep. So when you go to a school where all your teachers are completely different than you, they don't mm-hmm, understand yeah. you, they're not trying to get to know you, there's no connection, then of course there's going to be some strife. You know, there's going to be some conflict. Like, I didn't want to yeah. be there because these people don't care about me, they don't respect me. They don't want to be there because these bad kids they're trying to serve don't respect them and don't care about them. So it was like, I was there because my grandmother was like, boy, you better take your butt to school because if yep. you to I'm going to jail. That's right. It was there because it was like, I got to make this money. So, you know, whether these kids are going to be in school or not, I got to be here. So the main reason why education was created and for us to be in those schools was not the purpose of why either sides was there. You know what I mean? Yep. So, yep. so when you're yep. in a predicament like that, there's no, there was no bridging the gap between the community and the school. There was no, you know, trauma-informed, all that stuff back in the day. People didn't know. Yeah. Like, and as an educator now, I feel bad. I completely understand what those teachers were probably going through now because I get, I mean, it's the fault of the admin. They weren't giving them, they weren't yep, They weren't trained. Them. They weren't trained. They but weren't trained. The they need to be culturally responsible enough to teach these kids. You know what That's I mean? Right. So now, now thinking back as an educator, I feel, I feel bad for those teachers. Yep. Yes. I mean, they were set up for failure, man. You know what yeah. I mean? But it sucks because I think it really um, it wiped out a huge culture and a huge generation of kids who probably had a lot to give, but they didn't have the resources and the things that they needed from those teachers to grow yeah. and to really well, it, appreciate education. And I think that's why me and Kev just love to hear the stories and the voices, because I think that those educators that that we and kids like us experienced um, like there were people writing about exactly what we're talking about with cultural responsiveness, multicultural like consciousness and that kind of thing. Um, and, and for whatever reason, those ideas weren't making it to teacher prep programs into schools and, and that kind of thing. And Kevin, that makes me uh, what, what DC is talking about makes me think of, of the song you always cite on this podcast. They schools, um, they schools, right. It's that <laughs> dead press song. They schools. Um <laughs> And and sort of having that same experience. What kind of what kind of student were you, man? Man, I, I was not a student. I was just there. <laughs> yeah. I went through the motions. I was there, like I said, because my grandma made me go there. And I mean, we went there to fight. We went there to you know exchange things with different people. It, there was no motivation. There is none educational about it. In fact, when I think back to the school that I started at uh, in my community. The only thing I can remember is the teachers yelling at me. And I mm-hmm. vividly remember being in music. And it was we had a white music teacher, and he was just pissed off and just fed up with all the teach with all the kids. And I'll never forget he took a bucket and put it over a kid's head and kicked the desk and started jumping on it. He didn't even get in trouble. So <laughs> oh my god, man, and stuff like this happened, and he was just like, "I'm tired of y'all." I'm just like, "Man, this is crazy, this <laughs> is crazy." So then from that point on, I'm like education what education i don't care yeah i got other stuff to be worried about i gotta come here and let these teachers yell at me when i gotta go home and i don't know if the lights gonna be on i don't know if my grandma gonna be there i got so many other things i need to prioritize and it's like i don't care about this bro you know what i mean so it was like i didn't care about school and i think it really it, it it really hurt me in the long run because you know those different skills that you start to learn you know early on if study skills yeah concentration and just reading writing all those different things or or not even being able to be diagnosed with ADD ADHD dyslexia and all these right. different things that that I had which caused me to struggle even more until I realized what was wrong with me and then I was able <clears throat> to get the help that I needed 
Mm. I mean, it, it really sucked, man. So, I mean, it took me transferring, which is something that I even hate saying out loud. It yeah. took me leaving the city to go to a suburban school. Yes. To wow. education. And the reason yeah. I hate saying that out loud is because it's that whole, I hate when black students or brown students or anyone from a community that is bad feels like the only way that they can be successful in life is if they leave that bad, leave that bad community. Because that is yeah. not 100% true. You can still yeah. live in that same community and be the best person that you could have been if you would have gone somewhere else. In my particular situation, it would have happened because I just had so many things holding me back, not allowing me to. So I think for me, I had to move out. And I, It's uh, kind of I, a survivor's guilt, like what yes. you're describing is kind of the survivor's guilt. It is, bro. It is. And I still suffer from that. I was talking to somebody not too long ago. I still suffer from that today. It's just crazy. I'm sitting here. This nice house with my family in the suburbs. Yeah, yep, yeah. And yep. I'm still sitting here talking about how my brother's doing the same stuff that he was doing 17 years ago. Yeah, struggling in the city. So it's like, yeah, you know, if I can give all this away so my brother can be as successful or even more successful than me, I will. But I've also learned through therapy and just through being an adult, a mature adult, you have choices in life. That's right. You, know, mm. you have choices in life. And I think a lot of people are granted with certain opportunities, but you have to be smart enough, brave and confident enough to know that when you take these opportunities, sometimes you're going to fail, but you got to learn from those failures so you can yeah. just be better from those. And I think that's one thing that I've been able to hold on to, like, especially playing sports. One thing my football coach always told me was DC. You need to have a short memory because in football, a lot of things happen. Things happen fast. But if you yeah. dwell on those, it's just going to mess up the rest of your game. So it was like, yeah. DC, you got to have a short memory. Forget about it and play the next play. And that's yeah. how I've been through life, man. A lot of things happen that doesn't go my way, but I got to have a short memory, learn from those, and just keep trucking, man. For real talk. Yeah. But yeah. So I think I that's that's no, so sorry. important, you know. And, and, and uh, you know, I think – Helping kids understand that is, is like a really critical part of the work. But I want to go back to what you said about your own experience. And I think it's important for teachers to understand kids' motivation for why they go to school, right? Because I think you, you have to know why. And I just asked my kids today because I have some kids that have really good attendance. Now, they don't do much when they're there, but they show up every day, you know, but you ask their motivation and what they want to get out of it. And they'll tell you, you know, what's up. Like, I just want to get through it, right? And that helps you understand where they're coming from. And I think that's the first step, you know, going back to all the culturally responsive education. What, what is the kid there for? What are they going through? So, you know, I hope folks are really hearing that part of your story uh, because I think it's important. I think it's important. Yeah, that's big. And I, and I think too, like, I, I think that, so frequently, even even now where we have so many different ways to understand students who struggle, we have trauma informed, we have social emotional health, we have, you know, um, we we have learning disabilities and that kind of thing. And I appreciate but there's a couple of things that I, I think are just really beautiful that you just named. I think the first thing was naming that you had a barrier to traditional education. You mentioned being dyslexic. And I think that's like the realest thing. I'm, I, you know, I've finally solved mine and, you know, kind of dealing with that. I'm, I'm not sharing my secrets though, because everybody in my class is impressed that I read everything. Um, but, um, <laughs> but, you know, like, so naming that, because that, that's a lot of, that's vulnerability. And, um, 
I'd be curious to know when you when you learned that you needed that kind of additional support. And then the other piece that you know you you said it really quickly, and and I and I just want to I just want to really name it is that you name being in therapy, and I think one of the things that we as men of color often do is we don't we we don't talk about mental health. We don't talk about we don't talk about the things that we've survived, you know, and the things that we've kind of been through. And I, I, I would never pretend to have been through what you've been through, but when you've been living in survival mode for so much of your life, like that, that's going to take a toll and, and you need healing. So I guess a couple of things like, so how old were you when you, when you learned that you had this learning disability and then, and then what is it about, what is it about therapy? How, how have you approached your mental health as you, you know, cause these issues never go away. Right. Like, and I can imagine becoming a father, like a whole bunch of things probably came up for you just like it did for, for me and for Kevin, when we became dads, um, you know, just like how you've been able to kind of keep on trucking, like you say. Uh, I will say, uh, unfortunately, I think a lot of black men can say this and maybe even brown men as well is that growing up the way that we did with certain, role models or male figures in our lives i was always told even by my grandma like you don't need to be telling your business you know don't be soft yeah you grow up with these preconceived notions that if i want to be a man i can't show my feelings you know if there's something that's right me, i gotta hide it you know i gotta you know whatever it is but it's yep. like as you grow you start learning more about yourself and you get more frustrated and mad so quick at certain things because you're storing all those bad emotion and those bad feelings and you've never had the opportunity to get those out and yeah. i think what happened for me was <clears throat> when i was in middle school i was taken away from my family and i was put into a boy's home and that was the first time in my life where i was living in a space that had the structure the motivation and every resource and opportunity that i needed to grow into a young adult and wow. i think i was put into that boy's home because it was a facility they had doctors, they had therapists, they, yep, had, yep. they had everything that you needed on hand. So as I'm going to school, I'm getting bad grades, I'm doing all this and that. When that was happening when I was living in the city, my grandmother, her last thing, her last level of education was like fifth grade. Yep, so wow. she didn't know what was going on. She didn't know. Yeah. My mom stayed with her. My dad, you know, he never, he didn't finish high school. Like they had no education. So they yeah. couldn't help me and they couldn't get me the stuff that I needed to help myself. Yeah, and they, I mean, they didn't know. I didn't know. They yeah. just thought, oh, he's just dumb. You know well, because I mean? you personalize it, right? You personalize it. You're yes. like, oh, I'm just not as smart as these other kids. I, I, exactly. I just don't. I'm just not as good at this as they are. You don't ever think that maybe my mind just works differently. Yes, yes. Like I was always scared to read and this, and I'm like, man, I can't be this dumb. Like, how about you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. I was home, and I started, you know, working with tutors and things like that, and mm -hmm. they put different. Um, they, they started testing me for all these different things. They realized like, bro, you're not dumb. And they never said I was dumb. I was always saying it to myself. They're like, you have dyslexia. Like yeah, your yeah. brain works differently the way you see things, like things change. Like you, it's not that you're stupid. You just have to learn differently. Yeah, they, yeah. They, they try to help me develop different, you know, learning skills and stuff that kind of help me, you know, navigate myself through reading and learning and comprehension yeah. with this disease. And then the same thing with therapy, like, just sitting down with somebody and talking about your feelings. The first time I was ever, ever able to do that was <clears throat> my second day in a boy's home. And 
let me tell you, the first day I got there, I showed up. I had my gang colors on because I didn't yeah. know I was going to be in a boys' home. I showed up to middle school. My social worker was there. My counselor was there. I was like, uh, you ain't going back home. You going to this boys' home up the street. So they had a, <laughs> you're like what? Full of my clothes, like I was caught off guard, bro. It was like, you know, punk one in video, yet, but it was like an episode. Of punk. I'm like, what? You know what I mean? Yeah, so, you're like y'all playing, y'all playing time. right now. <laughs> so and it was crazy because I knew something was up because as I'm walking into the school, you know, I see my counselor, I see my principal, I see my teacher, I see my social worker, and I and all my friends walking off the bus with me, and I'm just on a bus cutting up. Yep, yep. I ain't trying to be embarrassed. Let me let them go in first. Yeah. Hold back. So I get in there and uh, they was like, man, you ain't going home. You're going to the boys home. They take me to the boys home. I get there. I got on my blue chucks, my orange shoestrings, my blue. Uh, yeah. Oh, man. Okay. Uh, all my stuff. I'm yep, walking yep. There, and I'll never forget. It was this dude named Ken. He was like the counselor there and a uh, big black dude. And uh, I'm trying to, you know, size them up. I'm trying to be hard. Yeah. <laughs> Check me, check me real quick, real fast. Well, and I want to point out, like DC is DC is not a super tall person. Like you're strong, you're like you're, you know. But like you know, I can imagine you as a as a middle schooler. <laughs> oh, I was skinny. I looked taller, but I was skinnier too. But I was, you know, but it was like for me, everything was mental because I was one of those dudes because of what I was raised. I was yep. nobody. I was right. and yep. I was known oh, for yeah. Everybody oh, yeah. knew, like, dude, you don't want to fight. I was always known for fighting because I just had a yeah. bad temper. I would just snap on people. So yep. I was trying to do the same thing with him. He wasn't having it. You know what I mean? But yep. that second day, <laughs> him and I were actually able to have a, a conversation. And one of the things he told me was the first time, not only a man, but a black man told me, he's like, DC, you don't always got to be so hard. He's like, it's okay to show your feelings. It's okay to have empathy and understanding for other people. That is the only way that you're going to grow. You got to be understanding. You have to be respectful, but you also got to let your guards down and talk to people about how you're feeling because that is the only way that we can help you. This is the That's first right. time a man, a big dude who I was intimidated about, was able yeah. to bring yeah. me out and help build me back up. And when he was able to do that with me and we were able to talk and I was able to kind of shed that hard shell that I created living mm. in the city, it allowed me the opportunity to speak to other people and just get all this madness that I have been going through for so many years, like out of my brain. Like I still have, you know, days where I, uh, I heard a certain song or I heard a certain word or I smell something. Yep. I have yep. like these triggers, these traumas. I'm like, bro, I'm like what? You know what I mean? Or I might have yep. a yeah. I now have those different <clears throat> skills put in place to know how to deal with those things. Wow. I mean, I others, but it's like, you know, my first move is not always like just hit somebody or just yeah. hold somebody. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That That's so deep because I think like I think about, first of all, like how blessed the world is that you've been able to get on a healing journey. And, and you know, in the next segment, we'll talk about, you know, what how you spent your last year and just kind of like kind of like that. Um, so that so there's that part. But then there's a part of me that's kind of like. Every kid in crisis should get what you got, you know, like every kid in crisis should get. And, and this was, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, you're not going to spill your age here, but this was like a while ago. And we still see in our system today, kids who are in crisis who, who don't get this support. What it sounds like is that at the boys home, you had wraparound, what we refer to as wraparound services. 
you had you had all those needs met and right and once those needs were met then you could begin to engage in an academic scholarly journey right and and i think this is why we say that we you know in colorado we know and i'm sure missouri is the same way you need more funding for this stuff this is what will help to solve yeah. the problem. Yeah, right? people are There's like, a- don't throw money at the problem. I'm like, no, throw money at the problem. Like money pays for things. Many Money pays for people. It pays for buildings. It pays for resources. <laughs> and time and, and space, right? And, and that's what our kids need. And I don't think people always understand the level of pain and suffering and trauma that our kids are going through and that they are like, passing on generationally, right? And what you're, what you're talking about, you know, I can relate to in my family, you know, where I've seen not my parents, but my cousins, right? And my, my aunts and uncles and, and how, how these situations continually play out. And unless you have that support to rebuild, right? To put a pause to it. And, 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 you know, we could, just imagine if, if what if, you know, your school was a site for someone to reach out to your mom, right? And really help and say, hey, they, I see what you're going through. I'm not judging, but I want to help you. Yeah. You know, and, and I just think we miss those opportunities way too often. Yeah, we do. And it's, but you just, I mean, what you just say, like, I see what you're going through and I want to help you. When I was transferred out to that suburban school and I had teachers who actually were trauma-informed, culturally-responsive. They understood what I was going through and they were trying to put certain things in place to help me guide, help guide me through education. Me still having those traumas, not knowing what love was. That's right. What trust was. Like not really knowing how to really like open myself up to what they were trying to give me. It was hard for me because I would never be going out to that suburban school and want to teach me a hug. And I'm like, what are you doing? Do it. Like, yep. Don't, don't touch like me. That. Don't touch because, me. <laughs> because the white people that I was so used to were like the judges, the social workers. That's right. And stuff like yeah. that. So I'm all in, my, in the back. In the back of my mind, I was like, these are all bad people. So yeah. I don't know if they are really trying to do something to help me, or if, they, if there's something other than they're just trying to take me away and put, in, you know, for my family. Again. That's right. So it That's was right. hard for me to even accept being loved and cared for because yeah. I didn't even know what that was. Wow, that's deep. I think that's a good place to take a quick break. Um, so we're when we come back, uh, we're going to hear about what it is that brought DC to where he is today. And it sounds like the healing journey obviously isn't finished. It seems like that's that's a path that you're committed to and that you're on. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about that after the break. Stay with us here on Two Dope Teachers and a Mic. I want to tell you about one of our partners, Quetzal Education Consulting. Quetzal Education Consulting is a queer, black, and indigenous women-owned firm offering anti-racist consulting, PD, coaching, keynotes, workshops, and more. Their newly released Abolitionist Teaching Workshop series coaches and prepares teachers to further develop abolitionist practices in the classroom. Find out why they have been called The Future of Educational Justice by Dr. Bettina Love. You can book a free consultation with Quetzal by calling 510-397-8011 or visiting quetzalec.com. That is 
Q-U-E-T-Z-A-L-E-C.com. And if you mention you heard about them through Two Dope Teachers, you will receive a 5% discount on their Abolitionist Teaching PD series. Once again, you can book them by visiting QuetzalEC.com on their Connect With Us page. Yo, what's up? It's Gerardo Munoz here with Kevin Adams. We're two dope teachers and a mic as always. And we are here with Darian D.C. Cockrell, 2021 Missouri Teacher of the Year. What's up, D.C.? What it do? It, it just do. It just is what, you know. I'm, <laughs> me, me, and Kev, me and Kev are still sitting here waiting on this dang snow day. Like, they, Kev, every district in Colorado is closed. It be just us. At least it'd be Except easy for, to get to work. You know what, man? You know what? I'm, I ain't no you front. You know that's how it's going to be. It'll just be us. I would like to say that I will not front in the least. least. I may not go to work anyway tomorrow. Uh, don't Okay, don't make sure this episode does not come out. Well, no, but that's always like that's always like a possibility. I may, I may just hey, not go that, to work. Hey, that can influence. That can tip the scales. How many people talk and say, hey, I ain't making it in tomorrow? Yo, should I should I put that on Twitter? I got my phone right now. You're like, hey, y'all, how many <laughs> of us? Like, let's yo, go ahead and put that day call in. This, go ahead and call this snow day because you know everybody's calling in sick. <laughs> like, oh, Lord. There won't how many be any snow days do you guys have built into your calendar? Who knows? I think it's like, I think <laughs> you know, there Ken? are, we, know. yeah, we can have up to seven, I believe, or five or seven built in. Okay. Before, I feel like it's seven. I think, I think it's seven because there was a year ago where we had a bunch and I think we, we had gotten to like five and we were worried that we were going to get to six. Uh, but I think it might be seven that are built in before we I, have I just to remember when, when four days got snowed out and then it went into spring break. That was, that was the best year of my career. Um, <laughs> it was like the realest. So we, we are here. Kevin and I are going to be salty about not getting a snow day so far. Um, but, but we are going to instead lean into joy, um, as, as this story as as the story of DC is kind of giving us a lot of joy right now. So, um, in the last segment, we talked a little bit about just kind of your life experiences, the things that you survived, the things that you've had to contend with, um, the change over to a suburban school and everything that kind of came with that, um, would you say that there was like a turning point or would you say that over just a period of time, things started to turn? How would you, how would you characterize, you know, the kind of shift in your life? Uh, <clears throat> the turning point with me, the biggest shift in my life was when I was put into the boys home. Uh, okay. That was a crazy time in my life because, you know, I was getting older. I was, you know, diving deeper and deeper into the gang life and starting yeah. to like really do things that as a yeah. young man, I could really get in trouble for it. Yep. You know what I mean? So yeah. when the state was realizing what was going on in my in my grandmother's house, they were like, okay, how can we take some of this burden off of uh, Mrs. Dinkin's shoulders? So they're mm-hmm. going to take the two oldest. It was me and my brother at the time. So they said, let's take these two and put them in a military boot camp. That's mm. like four hours away and we'll okay. put them from six months to a year. Yeah. And when yeah. my counselor at my middle school heard that they were going to do that, she was like, absolutely not. No. So they went to court and fought for me, bro. My counselor, awesome. my principal, who supposedly was in the mafia, like real talk. Uh, oh, oh, all right. All right. 
the principal you know, was like, I'm gonna I love those stories. And as a middle schooler, you know, that was y'all were always talking about, you know, he's mobbed up, right? In St. Louis. And in St. Louis, man, he like, you'd be like, he like, God, he probably <laughs> is. He like, he might be. But I mean, they went to court on my behalf. And the thing is, like, they didn't have to do that, bro. They did not have to do that. But they was like, my counselor told me, you know, when I was older, she was like, we knew that you had this foundation in place here at, at Parkland Central Middle School. And we wanted to make sure that you kept that because we knew that if you left, it was going to be hard for you to rebuild those relationships with people, let people in, trust people. And we wanted to make sure that we kept you here because we seen something that you did. You might not, you might have not seen it at the time, but we knew that you were going to be able to do something great if you had the opportunity. So yeah. they went to court. They put me in a boys' home up the street from my like a mile from my middle school. Yeah. And my counselor picked me up every day from the boys' home. She became like my legal guardian. She picked me up. Wow. Wow. That's special. Boys' home. I was hanging out with her on the weekends. Like she pretty That's much became cool. another mom to me. But yeah. But when I left the boys' home, that's when things really changed for me. Because I was in the boys' home for about a year, maybe a year and a half. And I started playing eighth grade football. And one okay. of my coaches, he had a son that went to my school. And, uh, yeah. I got really close with his son. I got really close with them. And uh, they knew my uh, situation being in the boys' home. And, you know, because I was in the boys' home, I wasn't really allowed to do a lot of stuff outside of the school unless my yeah. counselor was with me. But she had a family. Right. She couldn't be with me, you know, 24-7. So yeah, yeah. my coach felt bad for that. So he went to court and he was like, look, this kid's on our football team. He can't do anything with the with the team. Like, what can we do to make sure that he's able to do more stuff with us? So they yeah, gave yeah. him some, like temporary, temporary like guardianship type thing where I was able to like meet with the team before the games, go out with the team after the games and stuff like that. And then that turned into me when the football season was over, being able to go to his house like after school for a couple hours. Yes. I was turned into like you can spend a night. And then that spending the night turned in, you can spend a weekend. And then before you know it, I was just going over there, not even for Matt anymore, who was their son, but yeah, I'm like, this is like family now. Like yeah. I got a yeah. I have a father, I got a brother and a sister, I got a dog, I'm in the suburbs. <laughs> and I was got a dog. Son. You hear me? Yeah. Like, Back in my hood, man, we had little dogs on the street. We come bring them to the house. They got a dog in the house. That's right. Them, I'm like, damn, white people crazy. Yeah. <laughs> That's the truth. You're like, wait, they're like, this is they're like common looking around, like, man, people talking about dogs and yoga out here. <laughs> it was definitely a, a, a culture shock because, you know, as a black, as a black kid from the hood going into the suburbs with two white, with uh, two white, uh, with a mom and a dad who were white, but their kids, uh, they were adopted when they were babies from Brazil. But oh, you know, oh okay. I mean, they were raised with <laughs> a white family in the suburbs, so the way that they act, you know, was I yeah. mean, I guess it was white. You know, yeah, I mean? yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, yeah. Because to anyone looking at them, they would just assume that they were African American just because their yep. skin was dark. But yep. they yep. so I think for them, a lot of and time, probably treat them that way too. Yeah, yep. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yep. Yes. So all I think the rest that goes with that. I move in, they got this black dude, you know, and I'm and I'm seeing stuff they do, and I'm like making these little comments, joking, but I'm so real. I'm, like, I'm like, man, y'all, can I get a FaceTime? What, what I'm gonna do with just the big brother? I need to watch my life. Like these little things that you don't even think about this. Yeah. Thing, you know what I mean? And uh, but it was it was definitely a culture shock, but it was just so fun, and man, they were just so loving and caring. And one day they was like, you know, Darian, 
you want to move in with us? And I'm like, hell yeah. I want to get Y'all got a dog. Yes. Like, yeah, you got a dog. I can have as many Doritos as I want to. Right off the bat, you're like, which room is mine? Hey, which room oh, is mine? It's about, so it's about the dogs and the Doritos. Room. Kids are amazing. You know, so it was weird because you got to understand, we were so poor the way that I grew up. Like, we used to go to the corner store and get penny candy and stuff like that. Yep. Yeah. Girl, she couldn't afford to go to, like, uh, at the time it was Nationals or Schnooks. We couldn't go to okay. Nationals and and buy the, the variety pack of chips and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So ten cents, we go to the uh, candy store and we get our little bag of chips. We got to make that last. Yeah, I go yeah. to they got the big family bags. They got the little mini bags. But yeah. I still got that one little bag that I'm like keeping around. They were like, oh wow, that's deep, man. Chips. That's deep. You know what I mean? Like I wasn't okay. used to having so much. It's that scarcity idea yes. that you're just used to not yep. having enough. And so you got yes. like, wow, that's deep, man. Yeah, man. So it's one of those things where I'm like, okay, the Lord, and I'm thinking about this as a kid. I'm like, God has given me an opportunity with these yeah. people to do something. Yeah. So, you know, my mom, she had money. My father had money. We, we were living right. And I'm wow. like, I'm going to take advantage of all these opportunities because I don't know if I'll ever have this again. Yep. Yeah. The stuff was I had other friends in the same predicament as me, where white families in the suburbs took them in. Yep. One of my best friends, he went back to doing hood stuff because he felt like, oh, uh, the people in the hood said I'm a county brownie and I ain't hood enough anymore, and I got uh, to them that I'm still hood. Yeah. This yeah. Was full ride scholarship and basketball, any and everything that he wanted, but he had the still hood, and he lost. Yeah, those life. like social pressures, man. Wow. Oh. I was like, man, forget what y'all talking about. I'll be a county brownie. That's right. You're like, oh you're, like, you're like, you guys, you guys, I don't have to be hood anymore. I don't got to prove anything yeah. to anybody, bro. That's right. I, my, my father was murdered. My brother was murdered when I was uh when I was a senior in high school. Like, I'm seeing all these people get killed and murdered and stuff like that. I'm like, that gang stuff is for the birds. That stuff is not cool, man. I don't care yeah. about that anymore. Like, yeah. I'm going yeah. to change this narrative and start yeah. something new. And, you know, I don't got to prove that I'm hood to anybody. Like, if a point came to me, if, if there was a point in my life where I had to prove it, it's because <laughs> somebody threatened my life or my family's life. But other right. than, right. other than that, anybody. You know what I That's mean? Right. Yeah. That's yeah. right. I mean, just being in a now in an environment in the suburbs where I can just live life, be a kid freely, have all the things that I need, you know, in, you know, huge qualities and stuff like that. Get yeah. a car when I'm 16. Like, what? It was a cyan, it was a purple cyan X8. That's a car. That's a car. That sounds like it was running and you could drive and you could put people in it and go places. Hey, as long as I can get to point A to point B, man. That's it. Yo, that was awesome. yo, yo, breaking news. Breaking news. What? Uh-uh, don't tell us. Don't tell me. Don't tell them. Snow day tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> there we did it. You heard it here we, we did it, Terion. We did it. Thank you. We are so proud that we are here with you to celebrate this moment. Thank you. Thank you. Big up. He's like, you're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you. Oh, Lord. Oh, I don't Lord even know me. what to do with myself. And it's oh, seven o'clock. It's seven. I'm o'clock. so excited. I can catch up on all my doctoral homework. Oh, uh, see. Um, <laughs> all right. No, nah, but I'm gonna be that. chilling. I'm gonna be chilling. I but I will exercise. You be, be like our students. Me. Be like our students. Oh, I got time. <laughs> <laughs> I got now time. I got time. <laughs> all right. Now, now we got to root for two. That's it. So, uh, sorry, sorry. That was very oh, important. 
Um, uh, so yeah, but I, I think too, that it just kind of goes to show that when young people have resources, um, then there's really no limit to what they can kind of accomplish. So, so you're, you're in this better situation. You're, you're not worried about the things that you were worried about before, at least not on a consistent basis. Um, and then, and so, so then football, right? So yeah. it was, was football kind of your path to kind of continue or what, what, how, what was the role that football played in your life? I think football was one of those, uh, just one of those consistent things in my life that I needed to stay focused. I always okay. had to my back of my mind, almost like a deterrence, like, okay, you know, if I want to play football, I got to keep my grades up. You know what I mean? If I want to play football, I got to act a certain way. I got to be a certain way. When I'm in the classroom, I got to sit yep. in the front. It just made me hold myself accountable uh, just for my education. And I think also with me being a captain as well, I had to, you know, live in a way that, you know, I'm showing other people on my team, this is how we need to represent our school. This is how I need to this is how we need to represent ourselves and represent this football team because we don't want to be known as like dumb junk, dumb jocks and stuff like that. Yeah, that's right. You know, we got to do our thing in the classroom and then we got to be respectful. We got to be responsible. <laughs> we got to show integrity. We got to do all these things so that people know that, you know, we're about our business. Yes, we're out, yeah. but we're about our business as well. But it just put me in an opportunity where I could go to college, play a sport that I love and also get an education. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it was funny because <laughs> When I, when I went to college, bro, I thought uh -oh. I made it. I made it. I did something. I, mean, I went to college. You're I like, that's you're like isn't there a, where's the parade, though? <laughs> like, this is but it. I can, I can see that. Considering like, like, I wonder what, I wonder what young DC would have, you know, thought about just like to get a glimpse of that future. Like that, that's, that must've like, I mean, it's like, you're, you're joking a little bit, but like, you know, you get to a place that you probably never even thought you would be just a few years earlier. Yep. Yes. Well, it was, I was, bro, I was scared because it was like my whole life. I'm like, man, I want to go to college. I want to do this. I want to do that. And then it finally happens. Yes. But like, I, I, I never thought past that. What what happens now? I'm at college. What 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 happened next? <laughs> you know what happened next? I was there for seven years. I couldn't get okay. out. Like, this out. How the hell get out of here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a bad thing too. When you're like, and I keep and, and this money keeps adding up. Yes, <laughs> Well, it was one of those things where all that stuff came back. So I didn't have a lot of those resources. Yep. Different people helping me, like I had in middle school, like in high school, like oh, it's independent. Yeah. So it's up to you to go out and seek those things. And even yep. if you seek a lot of those, it's not there in a way that you need them to be. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I struggle. <laughs> like yes, Man. I played college football. <clears throat> At Milliken University, small school in Decatur, Illinois. Oh, yeah. Years. I tore my shoulder up and I transferred home. Mm -hmm. Probably the worst things I could have did because oh, man. My, mom, my mom so loving and so caring, but man, she enabled me. She just wanted to love me. Yeah. Wanted to do everything for me. I got comfortable. <laughs> I was late, bro. It was, uh, it was, it took me a while, like seven years just to get my bachelor's. And it's crazy. Yeah. It took me that long because of like one, I was being lazy, you know. Yeah. I <laughs> right. You know, it was just hard for me to study because I never really had those real skills. Yep. Study skills. You had to learn them. And I can relate. That's how I, you know, I had to learn. I was like, I don't know what to do and how do I get through this stuff? Yes. But you yeah. know, once I did finally, you know, pass that damn C base test so I can get into <laughs> school education, 
Then I had to pass my practices after taking it so many times. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Like I was still almost stuck in like a purgatory. It was like, okay, I've done everything I was supposed to do, but I can't get a job because I don't have enough experience. Mm-hmm. So I do. You know what I mean? Like I'm it's like <laughs> all these interviews, people don't want to give me a job. They're like, you don't have, you just don't have enough experience. I'm like, this dude ain't got experience. Did you have experience coming out of college? Like, come on. You're like, come on. I got to start someplace. Give me the chance. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny because the district where I work at now was one of the places where I interviewed at the middle school. And the teacher was like, uh, yeah, you don't have experience. Or the principal at the time, she's now our chief, um, what is she, chief executive um, academic officer. And we yeah. jumped uh, yeah. down because we can but I'm like, yo, you didn't give me a job. You and didn't I, hire me. You hear me? I said, you didn't hire me. You would have never thought that I was going to be a uh, Missouri teacher uh-huh. you know, six years well, later. You know what I mean? And we joke about so, now. But it's this like, is it's like one of those things where I'm like, you didn't hire me because you said I didn't have enough experience in a classroom. But the thing that makes me such a great teacher, the reason why I feel like I won teacher of the year is because I've used my past experiences, both good and bad, to be yeah. able to connect these kids that I'm trying to serve. Like, right. I, I, you know, all the content in the world, Real. if I can't help these kids relate to it, if I can't connect with them, who, who yeah. you know what I mean, they don't care. Yeah. So what, let's, what, let's, uh, DC, yeah, what level do you teach? What, 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 uh, uh, elementary kindergarten through fifth grade. Oh, so you do the real work. You, yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I have, I have. I have mad love and respect okay, so, for so the elementary you, teachers. The only and, people I ever have more love for our preschool teachers because y'all do it all. Y'all go and, through and, it all. And Kevin's not like me. He's not like some high school teacher that just shows up and says stuff and kids are like, oh, wow. Like, like he's a middle school. Kev, Kevin's a middle school teacher. So he knows, like, if he's giving flowers, like, you definitely earn them. I'm just kind of like, I don't know, just motivate them with some social justice quotes. And it's like, mm. Um, I want to know a little bit too about like, what was it that made you want to become a teacher? Cause I think this is like, this is a big thing that give, given your path. And I think that this is what, these are the stories that we need to hear. DPS is like calling me, bro, to tell me it's a snow day. I know. Um, you got to tell him you only want text. <laughs> I thought I did, but I, I don't know if, see, I don't know if I'm in as a parent or as a teacher. So, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, anyway. So th- this is the thing is that we're in a profession that's 85% white women, right? And so, um, and shout out to, we, there are some white women with some John Brown vibes that we know, and that's good. But, you know, what is it that made you want to become a teacher and say, you know what, th- this is what I want to do? It was exactly what you just said. I knew it was 85% oh. white women. No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Dope. <laughs> you crazy. You crazy. This is the quote of the year. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, just (laughs) Kevin. No, for me, man. Oh, man. Oh, that's beautiful. I knew I wanted to do something while I worked with people, but I didn't know in what setting I wanted to do it. But uh, my first love, my first passion was actually art. And originally, I was like, okay. I want to go to KU and I want to be an architect. And I'm like, man, I'm trash at math. So the <laughs> way this happened. So I'm like, maybe I can do something with graphic design, but just something with art. So yeah. when I went to Milliken, the great thing about going as going early as an athlete is that you get to meet with your advisor and kind of you know get to really figure out what you want to do while you're meeting with them before the school school year starts. 
And uh, so I met with my advisor and she just, you know, they do their normal, like, what do you like? What do you want to be? What do you want to do? Blah, 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 whatever. And I told her, I love art. You know, maybe I could be like an art teacher. I can do something with art. And she was like, okay, well, let me see your portfolio. And I'm like, who? Uh, <laughs> what? You're like, who's that? Like, well, where, where we can steer, I'm like, I don't have that. She's like, well, you're probably not going to do anything with art. So <laughs> she told you right there. She's like, if, you, if you don't have a portfolio right now, you probably are going to do art. He's, he's, he's like, hold, hold on, you got a piece of paper? <laughs> I did. I, I drew one of those. Remember those back in the day? We used to do a little, a little money sign and a little bubble. <laughs> I drew one of those. I'm like, hey, hey, hey. hey. Oh, let me see a sticky I mean, note. Let me see a sticky note. You could be like you, you could be like in, in Remember the Titans. I mean, I don't I don't have to ask, but <laughs> <laughs> no, but um so she just signed me up for my prereqs. And I think what happened for me is like you know the football season started and things like that. And one of the things that we were responsible for as athletes was on Friday nights, we would go to like some of the different local schools and tutor kids. Yes. This was an opportunity to get more people to come to our games, but all also an opportunity for the athletes, for the football players to make an impact in the community. Yeah. Loving um, community. That's dope. Yeah. That's dope. So I think when I start working with kids in that school <laughs> and helping them with stuff they struggle with and seeing their reactions when I help them achieve whatever problem, whatever project, whatever they were working on, I'm like, bro, I love this. I want to keep doing this. I want to keep, you know, helping kids achieve things and keep putting smile on kids' faces and building these connections and joking with kids while also trying to figure out life problems and stuff like that. Yeah. And yeah. I went back to my uh, advisor. I'm like, I love kids. Like, I want to do something with kids. And so she was <laughs> like, well, you know, you're you're athletic. You love sports. You know, what about being a PE teacher? I'm like, let's do it. Let's so, do it. <laughs> so I dropped No. <laughs> so I put my shoulder up. And I ended up using Milliken, which was actually um, it sucked at the time. And even though it was a yeah. bad situation when I first went home, the school that I ended up going to, the University of Missouri St. Louis, I mean, they just have a, such an incredible education program. Mm -hmm. And they uh, they were very patient. They were very flexible with me. I mean, it was a point in time because I was there for so long that my professors were not making me pay for their class and they say just take the test and we will change your grade that's how much they Yo, love that's that's so dope nice. though that's yeah. dope yes yes it was that's crazy dope. i'm like and they because they seen something in me and i'm like i know i can do this i know i can do yeah. this and i mean they they really helped me out because i should well, be and this is something that came up a lot dc if you remember when we were doing some of our initial inductions yes. i remember that was something that came up about you know, one of the barriers to getting educators of color into classrooms is that you have these tests that mm -hmm. test one type of expertise and one type of learning. And, you know, and that, and, and it's interesting how controversial that is with some folks. It's like, no, if you just, if you see something in a person, you move mountains to get that person into the classroom. Yep. And in and this day and age, and this, and this teaching market, yes. Like and, and we should have been doing it beforehand. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was talking with my students today because, you know, it's Black History Month. Yeah. And I, was, I asked them, I said, you guys think about all the schools in our country and think about, you know, um, all the teachers. I'm like, what percentage do you think are African-American teachers? Mm -hmm. And some of my kids, you know, being the kids, they're like, you know, 60 percent, 50. I'm like, no. Wow. No. And when I got 2 percent, they're like, they was like, there's no way. And I said, OK. 
how many black teachers do you know? Well, we know you. I'm like, who else? <laughs> who else? Of course you know. I'm like, that's why it's 2%. You see? <laughs> but and I think that's like at our school. But There's they don't Mr. know what they don't know. And because I'm their black teacher, they're just so used to things yep. like everyone has a Mr. DC, but not everyone has a Mr. DC. That's right. Oh, you know, Mr. Right? DC. They call you Mr. DC. They call you Mr. DC, man. So oh, I don't go cute. by I don't go by Mr. Cockrell uh because my biological father, that wasn't his last name. And mm-hmm. I, I saw I don't go by that. And I probably and I thought about I should have changed my name, but my wife was like, no. You know, you're Darion Cockrell. You know, they don't have to call you. Yeah, that. yeah. You know, I'm not going to change my name because that's what I've been going by my whole life. But my my father, his last name was Jefferson. I should be DJ instead of DC. DJ. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I didn't, yeah. Nah, I'm, I'm a, nah. Like, you're DC. You're but DC. Like, even my son today, my son's four years old, and I feel like this is the first year where he kind of kind of comprehend. You know, Black History Month. Yeah, yep. And I was yeah. talking to him this morning, and I said, "Hey, Dawson, you know." Today's, you know, February 1st is Black History Month. You know, when you go to school, they're probably going to celebrate you and celebrate brown people. And he started crying. He said, Daddy, uh, it makes me sad even thinking about it. He said, Daddy, I don't want to go because I'm the only brown person there. And I don't want to be a brown person. I said, I'm like, you know, I said, your teacher, his teacher's Indian. I'm like, your teacher's brown. He's like, no, but but she's not brown. But because he doesn't know, like, Indian. Right, yeah, yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Like, I'm the only brown person. And there are no other kids. There's one other brown kid, black kid in this school, and he's not even in his classroom. And mm-hmm. you know, my wife being white and us living in the suburbs, yep. in every setting, he is only the black only black person or it's him and I. Yep. You know what I mean? And that's something I've learned to deal with. I've learned to navigate with. But even growing up in school, I've had more colored people with me. And I think as he starts getting older and going to, you know, bigger schools, yeah. he'll start to see more brown people. But it still won't be as much as I had because we had the DSEG program. So all yeah. of people were being bust out. Now, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. don't go to school out here. And he doesn't yep. understand that, you know, where we live, you know, me and his mom, we had to work our butts off to live in this community. Yep. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people who can't afford to live in areas like this. And a lot of those people who can't afford it are brown. That's right. Like, I want to take him to be around his brown family more in the city, but they do a lot of stuff that I don't agree with. Sure. It's just not safe. Like, it's people getting killed left and right. If you turn on the TV, if you just look up St. Louis, you'll see, you know, one and two. Yeah. Top three in murders. So it's like, I don't want to take him down there and then just seeing a lot of the stuff that goes on there. I don't ever want him to think that it's okay for him. Okay. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. And like, I mean, how do you yeah. balance that? How yeah. do you bring him around these people so he can understand who he is? So he'll never have any, um, he'll never feel like he doesn't know how to identify with certain cultures. But I'm like, I don't want him to have to identify with being black or being white. Just be Dawson. Yeah. 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 Love and care care about you because you show integrity you're kind you're caring you're respectful not because you're black or because you're mixed or whatever it may be yeah and at the end yeah of the day, i tell my wife i'm like you know if dawson got pulled over by the police they're not going to say oh he's mixed or he's white nope. or he's black yeah. that's you right know? you know what i mean yeah so yep. it's like i gotta prepare her for stuff that you know my wife unfortunately can't prepare him for yep. but i also yep. want to make him aware of his culture and not feel like that it's a bad thing Yep. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. So it's just, I don't know. I don't, I, I, I just feel like sometimes I'm not doing my duty as a father by bringing him around more brown people, but it's only like, I don't know, man. It's just, it's, it's hard. It's, I'm tell, I can relate. I can relate. I think, to yeah. I was just going to say, you no, know, I can relate. And, and, and that is the challenge. And, 
you know, it, it because like you said, you want them to understand who they are culturally because there's some beauty. It's so much beauty to who we are culturally, how we interact with each other. But there's also some negativity that, you know, and I think as time as they get older, you can have that conversation about what what they're seeing. You know, it becomes it becomes different because, you know, and, and it's a realization of they they you know, they're being raised with some privilege, with a different experience, right? And I think that's important to know, too. <laughs> he don't even know. That's a, that's I know. Him because he don't know. Yep. He, you know, I get him. A, I didn't bought him. Bro, I didn't bought him. He has the story he likes. <clears throat> He's broken that thing so many days. <laughs> and I buy him a new one that's every one. time. Yeah. Bro, that's right. That's, that's the realest. I Ever no no no. There's, there's definitely times where I'm sitting here and I'm just I'm I'm looking at my kid and I'm go I'm like, I did not have your childhood. <laughs> but that's but, the you know that, that's the blessing. That's that's what we should blessing, be striving the, for. Continuously, yes, right? Yeah, yeah. Yes, but it's yes. but it's attention too because and you know I mean Kev I know your kids your kids don't your your kids don't act privileged or entitled like at least not at school maybe maybe with you. <laughs> Um, and so I think that, I think it is a matter of like them sort of knowing, you know, that the sacrifices came somewhere and, and that like our whole purpose has been to make sure that our kids don't have to experience what we experienced. Um, but yeah, but, but you're right. It's, it's a blessing, Kev. It's a blessing. And I, and I think, and I think DC like kind of what, you know, and I've, I've, I've not had to experience what either of you have had to experience either as a kid or as an adult, but I guess my sense is just you continue the conversation, right? And you know, the kids get to a point where they they know if you're if you're BSing them. And so, you know, they'll they'll ask questions and, and you can be pretty upfront and be like, well, here, here's the deal. And here's some things that maybe I wasn't gonna tell you when you were four, <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah. in that kind of thing. So um but it makes me proud that my son has his eyes open and he sees and yep. he, he's curious enough to ask his dad questions. Yep. Cause I don't, yep. I would never know how he's feeling if he doesn't speak that to me. And the fact that he, yeah, that's so important. I'm like Dawson, use your words, make sure you communicate me because yeah, you know, often I don't, I don't know. I can't hear you. You know what yep. I mean? So, yeah. yep. You know, yeah. it makes me sad that he has these thoughts and he sees that he's the only Brown person. I'm glad that he's having this conversation because it's now giving me the opportunity to figure out, okay, what can I do to help this situation? Yeah. That's right. That's right. We ain't doing that. He's doing like, that. Yeah, exactly. He's not till it gentrifies. <laughs> yeah, <you're right. laughs> so um, I want to I want to pivot to like a really big moment, man. 2021 Missouri Teacher of the Year. What what went through your mind when you found out and how has this last year been, man? <laughs> <laughs> so first of all, when I won teacher of the year at my school, mm-hmm. I knew eventually I would just because of all the stuff that I brought to it, you know, all the things that I've created and just yeah. relationships that I've built, not only with the kids, but just with the community. What I mean yeah. to so I knew eventually like I would win it at my school. So when I went at my school, when the teacher's like, Can I nominate you? I'm like, I'm like, you don't need to. I don't, you know, she was like, I love what you do with the kids, and I just want to nominate you. Yep. Even yeah. then, I didn't think I would win. <laughs> But yeah. I did. I'm like, this is dope. This is great. You know, I won P or teacher of the year at my school. Yes. Yep. Great. So then the next phase is like, you got to win district wise. 
Yeah. And I knew I wouldn't win because the previous district teacher of the year was in my school. She was our EO. Oh. <laughs> EO so I'm like, there's no way. They're not going to pick. There. You don't go back to the same. Let's exactly. say up there. <laughs> so when I found out that I won for my district, I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> like, this is crazy. And then I was scared because I like, I felt like then I'm like, well, if I won for the district, people are going to expect me to be this. You know what I mean? But it's like, now thinking about it, like I won because of who I am as a teacher. That's I, right. Me winning doesn't mean I got to change who I am. That's right. More or less something. It's an else. affirmation of who you are. Exactly. That's right. But at the yeah. time, I'm like, well, I got to make sure I'm, you know, I got to make sure that I'm doing this the right way and all this because now people are really going to be looking at me like, I just do win. So, <laughs> you know, when you win your district, then uh, they, the uh, admin start having you fill out paperwork to go for state teacher and all that stuff. And I'm like, yeah. Trying to do I'm like, I'm just, I don't feel like we're that season stuff. But man, I had a good support team. They was like, you know what? You start writing and we'll fix you, we'll put it together for you. So oh, I there we go. That's dope. That's dope. All this stuff. And they started helping me get it all together. <clears throat> and I won, um, I guess, like regional teacher of the year. Okay. So okay. I went regional teacher of the year. And <laughs> for the record, stuff. we don't do any of this in Colorado. No, I was about to say, I was like, <laughs> this sounds, wait, they have teachers of the year by each school? Bro, yeah, no, we don't we don't do anything like that. And in fact, like I'm that's what I've learned. I've I'm learned sort of suspicious lot. that I'm the only one that was nominated in the state. Like I'm pretty sure that's the only <laughs> way I got it. <laughs> hey, it worked. Let's go. Yeah. So I won regional teacher of the year, and I go to this banquet. It's me, my wife, my superintendent, and my principal. We're at this banquet, but banquet with all the other regional teachers of the year. And I'm looking at all of them. My wife, too, she's like, oh, they're going to win State Teacher of the Year. She's telling me. And I'm like, but I'm like, you're supposed to support me. No, we on the same page. You're like, you're right. You're like, yeah, I think so. I'm just one here. I've only been teaching for six years. Like, And I'm looking at all these, you know, accolades, these teachers, they talking about And I'm like, man, these loves. I'm like, this person definitely going to win. But my principal, my superintendent is like, no, DC, he got it. And I'm like, y'all supposed to say that, obviously. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it was funny because, um, after they kind of like narrowed down all the regional teachers of the year, they said, okay, we're going to start announcing it, you know, however, um, a month from now, the, the seven finalists. Yes. We'll, we'll do it on Twitter. So every 30 minutes, we'll keep going. We'll keep going. So the day came oh, wow. where they were announcing it. So I look and I see like the first six. And then um, I'm like, I text my wife, I'm like, well, I ain't win. I'm like, it was a fun journey. You know what I mean? It, <laughs> you all yeah. going to make it this far. Yep, yep, yep. So I put my phone down, boom, put my phone down. I'm teaching. Next thing you know, my phone blowing up, boom, 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 boom. I'm like, dang, what's going on? <laughs> and half of my text, uh, li- listen to this. Half of my text messages are Darian. You know, Peg got busted by the feds for having this and that. He's going to jail. Oh, man. Oh, no. Like, I'm, getting, I'm getting text messages <laughs> from my family about my little brother who's going to federal prison. Oh, Lord. Uh, on the same day. All oh, this. Day. And you're like, yeah. y'all. So then I'm getting other text messages saying you're the state finalist for teacher of the year. So one side of me is like, oh shit, I'm, I'm state finalist for teacher of the year. <laughs> other side of me is like, I can't even really celebrate this because now I got to worry about yeah. my or how yeah. yeah. So as I'm navigating all of this stuff and then the interviews come for all the state teachers of the year. Uh, and because of COVID, we had to do it uh, virtually. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget, before I knew who Rodney Robinson was, I loved oh. the internet. And I'm like, look, I'm looking up, I'm trying to look up like black educators, great black yep. educators. And he popped up and I watched one of his TED talks. And oh, I'm like, yeah. I'm like, oh my God, man. I'm like, that's friend of the podcast, Rodney you Robinson. You hear me? 
I said, I'm like, how <laughs> do you like this dude? I'm like, this dude is incredible. I'll never yeah. and I didn't even realize, I guess, until after that he was the national teacher of the year for 2019. I didn't even realize. Yeah, you didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, he's dude. cool. Yes, I'm like, this is the black dude on, on TED, doing a TED talk. You're like, like, I know we can do this. So I watched that, and then my interview come up, you know, I lean over to the side, take a little shot. I'm like, okay, I'm going to loosen up. And I'm like, and I told myself, I said, DC, do not go into this interview and tell them what they want to hear. Just tell them, just be you. Just be yes. you. Yes. Man, yeah. I did an interview. And when it was done, I was like, I left it all on the table. I was me. They left. They cried. We had a good time. Whether I win or lose, I don't even care. But there was a part of me was like, I don't want to win. Forget that. Like, I'm going to be done with this. <laughs> yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that, like, uh-uh. But they were like, they were like, so DC, just so you know, you won't find out for a month. That following week is when I found out, though. But I didn't know. So they had yeah. called my family. They, I mean, everybody. My wife knew. So they had this huge thing uh, set up for me. And I didn't know it at the time. So the day before my principal came to me, he said, DC, I don't want you going outside tomorrow because they're they're putting some chemicals in the grass. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like I don't want to do that. What are you talking about? They put chemicals in the grass. So I'm like, all right. He just stopped by. Hey, DC, <laughs> don't go outside, my man. Do not. There's chemicals in the grass. You're like, wait, what? So it's the next day. It's the last class of the day. And I'm like, man, I'm sure they dumped the chemicals. So I'm just going to take my class out. <laughs> I'm taking my class out to the back of the school where the uh, playground where the little track is, and my principal come running down the hall. <laughs> I'm like, what? He was like, you need to go to the office right now. I'm like, what did I do? He was like, you need to go talk to Dr. S because there was a situation with parents and they're uh, they're upset because you were playing inappropriate. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> he said they're upset you're playing inappropriate mood inappropriate music at parent drop off. Because in the mornings I'm standing out there on my radio, I've got the music. We are thinking, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, I'm trying to think about the music I was playing. Yep, yep. And I'm thinking about every parent. I'm like, oh, it's got to be this parent because he be tripping on. Like, you know. So I get into my principal, my other principal's office. She was like, DC, we're really disappointed in you. You know, you're original teacher of the year, and these people oh. are complaining and missing it. I got to go have a meeting with the superintendent. I'm like. I'm like, and I'm, terrible. I'm like, man, man. quit, bro. These people, somebody's <laughs> right. I'm done with this. So then, so, but then she flipped the script on me. She was like, okay, you're in trouble. But I got the news coming to interview me today about stuff that's going on. You've been on the news a lot lately. So how should I, how should I navigate talking on the news? I'm like, I don't, and I'm in my mind, like, I don't like, care about you. I'm like, I don't care about you being on the news. I'm, trying, I'm trying not to lose my job. So she's like, I don't, I don't want to talk on the news. I'm like, you just go on there and just talk. Just be yourself. I don't know. So then she gets a call on the walk. And she's like, where's Mr. DC's kids? I want to send it back out there. So she's walking me out. As I'm walking out to the side of the school, I see the news people out there. I'm like, I'm like, oh, Charlie, there's your news people. They're about to interview you for the COVID stuff, right? Or whatever. She's like, oh, yeah, they are. I'm like, okay. Then I see the old school out there with balloons. And I'm like, what the hell going on? What's going on? Then I see people are, uh, I see like our board of education. And at the time I didn't know it was our board of education, but it was the board of education. These white men holding this big sign that says Darion Cockerell, Missouri teacher of the year. I'm literally looking at the sign, but it's not even, I'm, I'm looking. It's at not the even sign. clicking. I'm like, what is what's happening? What, are y'all, what, what is happening? And then my wife runs out when my son, she's like, baby, you won. <laughs> oh, my man. wife is bawling, crying, and in my brain, 
I'm not I'm not thinking like, oh yes, I won. I was terrified. Oh yes. <laughs> I was terrified because I said, bro, I am a black man and I just won state teacher of the year. Like I, I was terrified, bro. I'm like, I don't, I'm like, I don't I, man, I was uh, so afraid because I'm like, now I have this huge weight on me that I need to represent one, the physical education profession because we're so looked down on it. Too. Yep. But being an yeah. educator and as a black man, I'm like, I yep. not screw this up. And I just felt so much pressure. So that first week of finding out that I'm teacher of the year, bro, it was terrifying. Yeah. And then I had to prepare for a speech I can't for all this. Because like I'm not used to like public speaking. I speak to my kids. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah. I had to give a speech to like the board of education, all these people in the room. I was even more terrified. And I yeah. was that that speech that I gave when I said in my speech, you know, um, you know, six dudes, 87 kids kept gangster. Yes, you're a Missouri teacher of the year, you've been a gang. I am so so happy that I put that in there because I almost did. There was a few mm-hmm. things like, you probably should have put that in there, but I am so grateful that I put that in there because that little phrase is what every news, like BET, MC, yeah. CBS, NBC, everybody who reached out to me, that little thing is what they took. And I'm so glad that they blew it up because it went to show that it doesn't matter where you come from. That's right. You suffer from or what, That's right. on or what bad things you're going through. You can still do amazing things. That's right. Life. And I wanted yeah. to say that in my speech to show those kids still living in that same neighborhood. That's right. From that, bro, you can wow. still get out of there. You can still yeah. do it. Yeah. Who so, you are today is not <clears throat> who you will be tomorrow. Yes. And, and, I, and I think yeah. your story, you know, like you said, it, we, we make choices, but we need support teams. You know, we need those people. And I think your story is filled you know, we always hear about like angels and blessings, you know, and like you had those people throughout those moments who are willing to to extend themselves to help heal you and get you, you know, to be who you are today. Right. And so I think it's important to remember all of that. Right. And what I did in here was uh, so and so made me rewrite an essay 48 times. So and so made me, you know, I had to, you know, I had to solve all the equations, 25 billion, you know, I, you didn't say my history teacher made me write, you know, about the American Revolution over and over until I'm, I didn't hear that. What I heard was relationships, support, knowing what you needed because, because they knew you. Yeah. Right. And I think, I think, that's what I one of the things that I take away from your story and, and my role as a teacher is is the priority is to know my students and that who they are, you know, because there's a, and I was talking with them today. You know, there's so much so many pressures and they understand it, you know, in our neighborhoods, you sometimes you have to be affiliated. It, it's just yeah. no choice. Sometimes you got to be involved, you know, in our houses. We know I've had students, you know, Mr. They served a warrant last night on our house looking for my brother, you know? And, and so it's very real stuff that they're going through and understanding where they're at, but that they, that's that's just a moment in their lives. And, and, and you can be that support yep. to help change things for them. Yeah. Yeah. It's, no, it's, judgment. Yep. no judgment. No that's judgment. That's right. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the other thing is that we're seeing people who are like, listen, this is just, a, this is a person who needs our support. And, and this is a person with support will be able to forge his own path. And that's something we've been able to do. 
Um, man, how, how's your last year been, man? Bro, man, I would, you know, it's funny because, so when my students and when the parents of my students or the teachers or just even my close friends see my journey these pet this past year and a half and like just the TV stuff and all the things, all the opportunities that I've been granted yeah. and the stuff that I have in a the pipeline, they think like, bro, you live in a dream. But when I tell mm. you this mentally for me, Yep. was the worst year of my life. Life. <laughs> Exhausting, right? Bro, it's crazy because there were so many things happening so fast. I couldn't even take a breath. And then it was like, okay. Yeah. All this stuff is happening. I still got to be a father. I still got to be, you know, a husband. I still got to be a teacher. And yep. then I'm yeah. telling these stories about my family and my life. And I'm like opening up these old wounds. Yep. Yep. Bro, there, yeah. I've, I've never been as suicidal this past year. Then I've never in my life been as suicidal as I was this past year. I had on top of all the other stuff that is in the world. Yes. I, I, I mean, there's so yeah. many things going on in my brain. It was just so much that some days I'm like, I cannot, I'm done. I can't like yeah. it was crazy. And it and it's part part of it was my fault because I'm just so like, I'm a people pleaser, bro. Yep, and I yep. was saying yes to everybody. And I said mm-hmm. yes yeah. to too many things. And it was just it it sucked me up, man. I just yeah. had. Oh, I'm it, like, couldn't couldn't be me. <laughs> I yeah. just, it yeah. was just so. Ah, uh, I will say that you know my um, the communication specialist in my school district, and then for our state, and if it were not for them, I don't know what I would have done because it was situations where I'm like, you got like certain TV shows and different people trying to reach out to you to do stuff. But then they want you to fight over them. And I'm like, I don't want to say no and be disrespectful or yeah, yeah. this person. But then this person's like, well, I'm bigger than them. So you need to dump them and go with me. And I'm like, I don't I don't know what to do. So yeah. I got to have other people reach out to them and tell them like, no, he's not. You know, it was just it was just so yeah. much. I didn't know how to I didn't know how to navigate it. I didn't know. Yeah. And it's a lot, especially if you still have to be teaching. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I can't well, imagine. And, and definitely, imagine. like, there, there is definitely a point just from where I sat on social media that, you know, that the country fell in love with D.C. Like, I, I just feel like your story was in a lot of spaces. And, you know, when you talk about the labor, um, you know, both on behalf of your communities, but also just. You, like you said, you're opening these new wounds. Everybody wants to hear your story now. And it's like, okay, I, you know, it, it comes at a cost, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And just like, I'll say that like every time we've ever interacted, you've always come with joy. And so I think that's been a really powerful thing, but it does go to show that like, even those of us who are able to show up in really positive ways, like it comes yep. at a, comes yep. at a heavy price, yeah, you know? Right. So are you, um, are, are you sort of glad that it's 2022 and someone else, or is this stuff continuing for you? Boy, you- <laughs> <laughs> you're like, all right, I'm done. My- They're like, no, you're not. Cause no, you're not. Cause my, my stuff is, my stuff is dried up. Nobody cares what I got to say. Oh now. <laughs> you know what? I will say this. It is a blessing to be busy. And I will yes. say that because it's still continuing to give me the opportunity to platform to advocate for other teachers in my state, for teachers around the country, for my students, and just for families and just people who need to be trauma-informed, people who need to be, you know, culturally responsible with certain things. It's giving me the opportunity to go around and speak to people and just open their brains up to different ideas and just stuff that they should be aware of or stuff they, they might not even know. And as long as the Lord is allowing me to breathe and giving me this opportunity to do this, I feel like, who am I to, like, not do that? 
You know what I mean? He put so many teachers and amazing people in my life to help me get to where I am. That That's I can right. Use that to keep. Like, I might be tired some days, but just think. Of, even if it's one teacher that I reach, then think about how many students that she can reach. That's right. That's so, right. That's right. That's how I got to go about it now, man. Nah, I love, love that. I love it. Love well, DC, uh, you know, you think that um, you think that kind of revisiting old wounds and trauma was hard. We haven't even asked you the hardest question yet. I've been thinking about this the whole time. Kev, are we gonna? Kev, are we gonna are we gonna put are we gonna put this labor on our brother right now? I, I mean, I think we have to, right? Because because it, it, it's it's the it's the. We'll be back. I mean, if you need a break, we take a break. Like, if you need a if you need a minute to gather your thoughts, I got it. If you it's like so, this one's always controversial because like it can impact relationships, right? Like you have fallouts with people, people, no people. People are worried about that you'll be held to this forever. Like <laughs> 10 years from now, they'll be like, you remember you said A, B, and C, and now you do a D. You know, <laughs> uh, you know, and some, you know, it's just so much complexity. So I'm gonna get into it. I'm gonna explain the rules. But at at two dope teachers and a mic, this is like I said, this is our inside the actor studio, James Lipton. This is our classic question. I Right. People don't understand that setup, but you know. <laughs> he asked them a question at the end, it's like, okay. "What's your don't, What's don't your favorite me, swear man. word?" We don't ask about your favorite swear word. That might be a question we might add in the future. <laughs> Eric has a top. Eric has a top twenty-five of that. Um. Anyway, <laughs> but uh, so we want to know top favorite rappers. But we will we will couch this and say if you want to say uh, MCs groups. If you want to say R and B, like Wu Tang could be Wu okay. Tang could be one, or it could be all of them. Yes. So Can you could. Do, does it have to be in a particular order? Does it have to be one? No, it does okay. not have to be no. in an order. It can be. No. You can have ties. You can have tie. Uh, your, yeah, we're not about colleague, hierarchy over your here. Your colleague in arms, Eric Hale, Texas Teacher of the Year, uh, invented his own system where he just had addendums. The most, oh, oh yeah, he, he, all, he alternate list. He mailed know. us an appendix. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what we what, what we really want to get to is like, what is the important music to you? You know, and, and what 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 really you know hits right with you? And we keep it around five, but we can go over five or take it wherever. So first, I will say this: that as a PE teacher, it's just. I mean, as me, I listen to music all day, <laughs> all the time, every day. It like literally <laughs> runs through my veins. Like, and Ooh. I will say because of you know being being around kids, so listening to kids' music, being with my wife, and just being around different culture, different people. Like, I like all genres. I like everything. all right, all right, all right. But with that it. said, <laughs> and it's like I feel like different times of my life, I've, I've had different. So this is kind of hard, but I'm gonna try my best. So, all right, yeah, that's all you can do. That's no all you can do. Order, in no particular order, I got to say Tupac because I just grew up with him, man. Like my entire community, like if you walked out of the outside on the uh, porch, Tupac was always. It's, Pac. it's all Pac always all day. Pac. You know I mean? Always. You know, I could throw on Tupac now, and it's just I can just still relate with a lot of the stuff that he was talking about. Yeah. And just Tupac as a man, dog, like that dude. If he would have stayed alive. There's no telling what he would have done in this world. Yeah, I mean the, so the complexity, the the storytelling. Um, yeah, exceptional, exceptional. Yes. 
Uh, I'm gonna say DMX. That was my dude. Oh, rest yes, in rest in peace, oh rest in power. I to mean, the dog. DMX, and he just struggled so much with throughout his life with drugs and stuff like that. But he was just such like his brain, his his message, and the stuff that he talked about. Like DMX was man, he was a special dude, and I just. I feel bad that he struggled so much with his addiction, dog. I well, think and like, and I think too, there's such a great parallel because you know you named um you you name mental health struggles as a thing that kind of come out of if you live a particular life and if you go through certain experiences, and um and I know DMX had actually become like kind of like more vocal about trauma and more vocal about mental health. And I heard him on Talib Kweli's podcast on the people's party and some of the stuff he opened up about, it was like, Whoa, like this is really deep stuff. So I think it's really fitting actually you talk about, you know, a man who was on a healing journey when we lost him too soon. Um, yeah, that's deep, man. That's deep. Definitely. Uh, this next dude is not a, is not a rapper, but, Man, Michael Jackson, my guy, bro. Man, oh, you know we have not had MJ on any top five, have we? That's my guy, bro. I just can't like I can't say no list without throwing him on her because thinking back, you know, I used to watch the Thriller tape. I had the tape. <laughs> I'm doing the dance. I'm watching the. <laughs> oh, that's my like, favorite image right now. <laughs> I mean, it's so important. We all did it. You can't we say if you we weren't imitating Michael Got the Jackson, glove. everybody. Had if a you glove. weren't doing it all, trying to. Ooh, <laughs> right? If you weren't doing all that stuff, what were you even doing? What were you and you doing? know what disappointed me? My son the other day was like, Michael Jackson wasn't that good at a singer. I was like, shut your mouth. Don't you ever Kevin, say Kevin, I've got, like I've got some again. real questions about your parenting right oh, now. Because like oh, certain I, things. Matter. I shut him in his room for the rest good. of the night. Didn't good. Feed him. Good. <laughs> Make that boy learn. Oh, this next group is not on my list, but I mean. They are close to my heart. Bone Thugs and Harmony, man. No, they on my oh. list. They on my list. This is my group, bro. Like, growing up, yeah, I thought man. I was in Bone. I thought I was in Bone. I thought I was in Cash Money. I used to <laughs> go on. Yes. You know, fake gold. Like, bro. <laughs> yes. Real talk. But bone, I'm not going to put bone, bone. I'm, I'm not gonna put Bone and, uh, and uh, Cash Money on there, but I'm just going to throw them on there because I got yeah, a lot right. of issues. Dawson, go. I'll be out in five minutes. I promise. <laughs> What's up, Dawson? Yeah, uh, <laughs> I know you don't have school tomorrow, but uh, <laughs> yeah, he does. I don't well, have I school tomorrow. Go. Uh, That's what they all are like now. We ain't got school tomorrow. No school. Do what I want. <laughs> uh, I gotta throw Lil Wayne on her. I mean, the dude is just so dope to me, man. I love Wayne. The albums, uh, so many just his lyric, his lyric. I mean, the dude is just he's so creative. He's freestyling. Metaphors for days, metaphors, hyperbole, simply figurative language for days. I'm not gonna lie, I'm struggling with this one, but I love you, DC, and so I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be accepting, and, and we can debate this another time. <laughs> it's your list. I got, I got a little Wayne song. I'm gonna play for you, Gerardo, tomorrow. If, uh, oh wait, no, uh, we ain't at work. Uh, 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 oh, <laughs> on Thursday, Thursday, drop by. It's a good one. Somebody who I just actually started listening to. And uh, man, it's, I mean, some of the stuff is really sad, but the dude, I mean, the dude is dope. Uh, Juice World. Oh, yes. Ever yeah, actually. Or even uh, watched his documentary, but it's, man, this yeah. kid, I mean, he was 21 when he died. He started, yeah. he got into the business, he was like 18. And if you listen to every last one of his songs, he is literally crying out for help. Yeah. It is crazy. Yeah. I'm listening to his music, I'm like, 
no one around him was like listening to his music. Yeah. But it's just, I don't know, man. It's just when I'm listening to him, I can see myself as a kid. Yeah. Same person crying out for help. I'm like, bro, this I can see that. Yeah. No, that's a great addition. Yeah. Wow. Uh, And then I'm going to end it with, let me try to, I got to pick myself back up because I can't leave. You, I got to leave. Right. Yeah, it's I'm like, not saying like, Busta Rhymes. Okay. He cool, but I ain't saying Busta Rhymes. Um, not Busta Rhymes. Don't add us, Busta. We know you listen. <laughs> I don't want to. <sighs> this is where it gets oh, hard. Man. This is where it gets hard. Like, where do you end the list? <laughs> okay. He so knows. He knows. I, I would almost say I would. I would almost have to say Snoop just because. Ooh. I mean, the dude, he just keep reinventing himself. And no matter what he put out, he on curve, he on somebody. Bro. I'm not saying Jay-Z either. I don't like Jay-Z. Oh, okay. all right. All right. Let's get into it. Okay, at some point, okay, at some point, <laughs> no. some point, we're going to have a bonus. I love it. I love it. I don't like Jay-Z. I just hate how everyone automatically say Jay-Z is the greatest. Yeah. I don't believe that, bro. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, I don't believe that. Is he is he better than hockey like Rocky? Is he is he better than all those people before him? I mean, I got it. Yeah, I, see, for for me, my list gets really complex because I have a soft spot for lyricists. Like, okay. I just I like, and so in terms of lyricism, I feel like Jay Z is fun and creative, but Rock Rakim is just brilliant. Rakim is just is Jay Z better than Eminem? Yes. Kevin, this this is a big. I, I'm hey, <laughs> it's Jay Z. So. Is Jay Z better? Yes. As a lyricist. <laughs> as no, wait, a lyricist. A, oh, wait. As a lyricist. As a lyricist. Well, I'm going to say. What were you it, Now, hold on. Do I like Jay Z better than Eminem? Yes. I'll answer that real fast. Is Eminem is a very complex lyricist. Like, he he, he can write and he tells stories, He's puts like, things together. Uh, yeah. he, he, he can do some special stuff with a rhyme. You know that I don't. I don't know if Jay Z can accomplish, but I. I mean, I. I think this debate could yeah, go on I forever. But I think you're caught up. I think you're caught up in the technical, right? Like because technically, like yeah, Eminem can spit. Like he can drop words per minute, right? But for me, I think. I think there's a sneakiness, and I think there's an intentionality in Jay Z's lyrics that I just don't always see in Eminem. There's a laid backness. There's a laid back approach. But I think it's Eminem intentional. Is like. like very pushy, you know. Well, like he's, man- he's manic, and and you get the sense, like especially in his early catalog, I get the sense that Eminem would just kind of spit whatever, right? Well, he's a and battle rapper. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying, though. And so is Jay Z. But I, I just think that, in terms of an overall body of work, I, I have to put Jay Z over over Eminem. But this is DC's list, though. So <laughs> that's it. I love that. All right. Well, you mentioned Snoop. But Snoop. So I, Snoop I, yes. I, I always have to ask anybody who mentions Snoop. Have you heard Mount Rushmore, Mount Westmore? I have not. It, it's okay. You got to look this up. If you like West Coast rap music, here's who it is: Snoop, E40, Too Short, and Ice Cube on a track in a group. Let me yes. tell you. Okay. Let me tell you. Uh, Mount Westmore. That's fun. Yeah, we're gonna run Mount out Westmore. And get that. We're gonna run out and get that. <laughs> Snoop is yeah, great. Put it on. This is how I we will... should all leave and celebrate our snow day uh, tonight. Is, is go so, go listen to Mount West. Yo, let's let's violate some copyright and just take it out with Mount Big West. Big subwoofer. <laughs> oh man, if I started to play, y'all be like, now okay, now DC, 
do not play this in the morning when they drop it off. Because <laughs> I, I don't think he be... needs to be told not to play Snoop at drop off. Like, I, although I think, some parents these days, some parents pull up, they'd be like, oh, that's my jam. Bro, I'll be trying to play kids, but my kids like, you don't want to listen to this mess. Yeah, yeah, yeah they don't. Yeah. That's right. My that's kid, right. My, my kid they goes, hit, to, bro. They my kid goes to a predominantly white school and it's a bougie white school. And so there's times that we roll up and she'll make sure that um, Terror Squad's lean back is like just <laughs> cranked on my, on my, on my system. Um, Snoop, I just have to say one thing I love about Snoop. The thing I will always love about Snoop is when he was on Martha Stewart's show and he's like, yo, only one of us ever been to prison. (laughs) (laughs) And it's the truest thing ever. And I love his cadence and I love his breath control. And I like, he's dope. I love Snoop. Man, he stays stays reinventing himself. He he stays reinventing himself. Have have y'all watched Coach? I I haven't watched Coach Coach Snoop. Have y'all watched Coach Snoop? I haven't. I haven't. Honestly, it's on Netflix. It's on Netflix. I haven't watched it yet. I want to check it out. Yo, DC, man, I feel like we could talk to you all night. All man, night. I'd we love to come back on her again. Come back. For come sure. Back. For yeah, sure. We'll, we got to we'll, have we'll the round have table. Yeah, we got to have the round table. table. Man, this, we'll the, man, you might have to chop out like three hours. Ah, yeah, we'll, we'll make it. We'll, we'll do two part episodes. Two parts. Part three, four, one, five. We'll do part two, part three. We'll do a whole season. We're like Eric Hale just... try to take over it all, but I feel like DC, you give him rough for his money. Bro, Eric will be I like, know, how do y'all get it at work? I know Gerardo. I know how he can get. I'm like, hey, between me, Anthony, Justin, Andy, Gerardo. I mean, all of us, like, bro, this is. <laughs> We're all just yelling over each other. That's perfect. I love that. I'll fit right in. Hey, when Sarah Brown sees us walking in, she's like, oh, man. Oh, Lord. (laughs) Because we were those kids. We were those kids. People looking at y'all, why is that table so loud? (laughs) Wait, were you there? It was like, it's like obvious. I know know what happens. Oh, you know know what happens. Well, listen, man. So, um, Kev, you're going to go enjoy your snow day. Um, We're going to do this thing. But, DC, man, thank you for joining us on Two Up Teachers and a Mic. Like, this was so much fun. We definitely got to do it again. For sure. And we have a little way that we like to take it out. I ramble a little bit. And on my signal, we all say stay dope together because we do want our two dope teachers, our two dope nation to just stay dope. So on a snow day that seems to be nationwide in the middle of a snowpocalypse on February 2nd, which is tomorrow, 2222, a palindrome in your life. There we go. Stay resting, stay chilling, stay some. Oh, I think I'm losing battery. Ah. Um, stay chilling in a good way. Stay Stay comfortable, stay charged, but above all, make sure that you always, in everything you do, stay Stay dope. dope.